We are live. Welcome back, everybody, to the All-Star MMA Live Show. We'll be recapping UFC Orlando, a major card in the state of Florida. I enjoyed it tremendously. Some people thought it was very, 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 very long. You know what I mean? You know, they didn't even give enough time for the fighters to have, you know, post-fight speeches, you know, stuff like that. I, I think that's something that we need to have in, in these fights, allow the, um, the, the fighters, the athletes to get that platform to to promote themselves but they didn't allow them to do that in this one not too much but uh it is what it is join me today of course the finalist garrett garrett what's up man how you doing i'm doing good man how you doing glad to be here good good man appreciate you appreciate you um the bane was supposed to be here but uh he had some uh some issues and uh and uh not gonna be able to make it today but we'll have him on a future show let's uh Let's uh let's kick it off, man, with uh with the first fight on the card. The first fight on the card, a long card. What well, first off, man, before we get into the fights, what'd you think about this card? Like this card was, I think, 15 fights, I believe. 15 fights. We haven't had a card that long, you know, that many fights on a it's weird, right? It's weird, especially on like Eastern Standard Time as well. It, it starts really late and uh ends really really late as well what do you think man well i mean 15 fights is not normal for a fight night card to begin with and then you're starting it at 7 p.m on the east coast i thought that was just crazy in my mind and then what does it end at 1 30 almost 2 2 a.m eastern eastern standard time and you got all these people that are absolutely lit they were mm -hmm. they were having absolutely none of it towards the end of the <laughs> towards the end of it they were just booing every chance that they got when they weren't really doing anything it was just it was funny because you knew that they were like okay we've been here a long ass time so all we want is some blood and guts out there yeah for real and uh the main event definitely you know i mean they did put together a good main event to keep that crowd uh interested and and, and we'll get to that we'll get to kevin holland and and how he fought against wonder boy uh but before you guys, uh, before we get to the first fight of the night, the strawweight bout between uh, Yasmin and uh, Nunez, make sure you guys go down in the descriptions, download the All-Star app. we got a bunch of features coming in, you know what I mean? All the news, all the interviews, everything you need to know, fully customizable. Go get it and uh, and play with it, man. It's, it's, it's a wonderful app. Now, the strawweight fight between Yasmin Man, I don't want to even butcher her last name and uh, Estela Nunez. If you look at the statistics, uh, Yasmin landed 103 total strikes to 39, 67 significant strikes to 36 significant strikes for Nunez. And uh, man, she's she's a berserker. Like she yeah. is like the definition of punches and bunches, right? Like she will come in and attack you and and hurt you hurt you bad i think this is her second finish she's 2-0 in the ufc and uh what do you see man what did you see in this fight did you did you pick her i did um obviously i couldn't bet on her because her line was just kind of a little crazy uh so you pretty much had to bet if it was you know by ko and i really couldn't gauge if she was going to get the knockout or just kind of just steamroll her for an easy decision but she looked good i mean this was a fight that was pretty much a showcase fight showcase fight they wanted to get her name out there and giving her a good opponent. And Nunez uh, did that because, you know, not a lot of people know who Yasmin is, but they now know who she is after this last fight. 
and I'm sure her popularity grew a ton. She probably got a ton of followers on, you know, her social media accounts as well. And now this puts her in a good position to get another good fight to keep building her name. They're promoting her well. And I like what they're doing with her. And uh, she shows a lot of promise. She shows some power that you normally don't see at 115 pounds. And um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of excited to see where she goes from here. I think she could be a, you know, a top 10, top 15 fighter. Who knows? Maybe fight for the belt soon. But she's got a lot of, you know, growth to go in her game. She's only 10 and 0. But um, I think the sky's the limit for her. Yeah, she she's undefeated. That's an that's one thing she's got going for her. The UFC, they love that. They love these like undefeated records and, and promoting these undefeated fighters. Uh she's definitely talented, right? She's she goes after it. You know what I mean? She's fearless. You know what I mean? She's exciting, which uh which is you know not many fighters in that division are like exciting like that, right? We're getting KOs right. and, and 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 blitzing, you know, their opponents. In, in the way that she does. And she's been doing it for a while, right? If you watched her on uh, on the regional scene, so to say, Combat That's Global. I don't know if Combat That Global is a regional scene. I don't think so. I think they're a pretty big platform, right? They're yeah. on, like, major networks and all that. But she was on there, and she was getting the KOs and TKOs and that. I think, uh, yeah, she had, like, she fought in, like, a one-night tournament before she got signed to the UFC where she won three fights in a row. And the, the two fights, she got first-round knockouts which uh, shows you the talent and the level she is. I think she's going to do really well in uh, a lot of these uh, stylistically advantageous matchups. If they match her up well in this, uh, in this division and uh, yeah. And you know, Mexico, you gotta, you gotta think she needs to be pushed because they want Mexico. You know what I mean? They need more Mexican fighters that they can, because North America is three countries, right? There's Canada, there's the U S and there's Mexico. And I think they're pushing for Mexico more than they are for Canada. It's weird. Like, they don't care about Canada, it seems like, anymore. It's like GSP. It's like, whatever. We don't need it anymore. We want Mexico. And you got her, Yasmin. You got, um, of course, you got Brendan Moreno. And you got a couple other, like, you know, prospects coming up. And they're they're pushing them, man. And uh, I think she has a bright future as well. When you, when you look at her, man, like, she came from one championship. Um, she, she had that issue with... Uh, with USADA and now she's sitting at three losses in a row. She's winless in the UFC, winless in the UFC. Do you keep her around? You know what I mean? Like she's been finished in two of those fights. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to keep her around, man. It's going to be, what do you think? You think she's going to hang around? I don't think so. I think you can really, um, if there were competitive fights, maybe, but you can't give her a third fight knowing that she's got finished in, you know, both of her losses. I mean, and she's fighting three fight losing streak is just not good. Um, and she didn't look good in this fight, like at all. She was just not, she was, she was the worst of the two from the moment it started to the moment she got finished. So I, I can't fathom you really keep her around, especially when you got so much of these other fighters that are coming up, really chomping at the bit to get into the UFC. Um, I don't think you could keep her over someone else. Who would you like Yasmin to fight next? You know, I got a name in my mind and I'm just going to toss it out there for you. I think Sam yeah. Hughes would be a good test for her. I think so too, because I think Sam Hughes will bring out the best in Yasmin. You know what I mean? I feel like they will go to war with each other. Those two don't back down from anybody. So they're going to go at each other until someone falls. And, and uh, Sam Hughes is actually pretty big for the division too. So mm-hmm. 
I think she could possibly give her some troubles, maybe in the grappling department. Um, you know, it'll show to see where she is with her grappling too, because Sam Hughes will attempt takedowns. Granted, mm. she's not the best wrestler, so it might be able to gauge if she's good against okay grapplers because mm. Hughes is an okay grappler. So I think it was a good test. I think I actually really like that matchup. Really yeah, do. Sam Hughes. You know, she comes out of Fortis, right? So her coaches yeah. will have her really prepared with a game plan. You know what I mean? And right. grappling will probably be part of that game plan against Yasmin because Yasmin has that power, right? And she blitzes forward with her punches like way up high. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Sam could dip under and, and test that, you know, test that wrestling. And if she does get put on her back, can she get back up? You right. know what I mean? With Sam, because Sam is relentless, right? I like I like Sam's style, right? So I think it'll be a good test for, for Yasmin. Um, yeah, it's definitely a a star in the making, undefeated. You know, it's gonna be interesting. Now you go to an, another undefeated prospect coming off the contender series, Francis Marshall. He goes in there against Marcelo Rojo. Marcelo Rojo, uh, a bantamweight, moving up to fe- featherweight to find the spark. Right? You know, when you ever right. see a guy moving away, they're trying to find the spark because they didn't have success. I actually talked to Marcelo ahead of this fight. And he was saying that he was he was like guided wrong, you know, with the people that were, you know, like I guess his coaches or whoever was in charge, uh, and making them go making him cut down the band weight. And uh, he, he said that James Krause told him, like, hey, you don't need to be cutting down, you know. What I mean, you could fight at featherweight and and perform really well. Well, that advice didn't work out for him because he went in against uh Francis Marshall, seven and oh. He he doesn't even have half the fights that Marcelo Rowe has. And goes in there first round or second round, sparks him out like bad, right? Like it was a bad knockout. Marcelo, one thing good about him is he will fight. Like he's not afraid. Like he will yeah. risk it. He'll risk the biscuit to uh to try to knock you out. But it seems like it's not working for him, man. It's it's level this game. And I think maybe Marcelo should have took more time off to develop himself with the team at Glory MMA instead of rushing in but uh you know what can you do man sometimes the ufc offers you fights and you turn down one you can't turn down the next one and then they gave him francis marshall what do you think of francis marshall man we don't know too much about him we seen him on the contender series and we saw him uh against rojo can you gauge a lot from this fight um i was definitely impressed because I wasn't nor- uh, normally impressed with him on the Contender Series because he didn't fight anyone really worthwhile. Connor Matthews, he was getting tagged a little bit in that fight. And, um, you know, he was letting Matthews kind of reverse him in some positions on the mat. Granted, he dominated him and he did well. But I just didn't think, you know, he would be able to beat Marcelo Rojo because of, you know, the experience factor. He's got power. He's He's got really good uh, striking abilities, able to mix things up very well. But, man, he really impressed me. He was able to beat Rojo in every facet of the game, the grappling, the striking. He looked big, much, much bigger than Rojo as well. Um, he looked very well-conditioned. Uh, you know, it's, like you said, hard to really gauge because Rojo's not an elite talent. But, I mean, it was a good showing regardless. I think he showed improvements in the striking, um, especially in his striking defense for sure. And I think – I think he's gonna. I think he has a good future, man. He just needs to stay with, within himself, and if he gets some good matchups like this, I think he could shine. Still very young and a little bit green, but he's only twenty three years old. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of room to grow, and um, I, I think he and he's growing in the biggest organization. So, 
it was a good win for him, good debut. Um, and he also had to think about it. He performed in front of a huge crowd in his debut, only at 6-0, and only at 23 years old. I think that was uh, impressive. It was impressive. And, and the crazy part about it is that on the regional scene, he's won every fight that he's finished with with the rear naked choke. Like this was his first knockout yeah. ever in his career, right? And uh, yeah. that's interesting to me that he goes onto the biggest stage and is able to get a knockout. And uh, yeah, man, it's a... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think, man, because he went in there and he's probably full of that anxiety. You know what I mean? The jitters and all of that. And, and he came through. But um, but I don't know. I don't know. I can't gauge too much. You know, I mean? I'm not a hype train guy. Like, I'm right. not a guy that's just going to hop off the train immediately. Like, oh, this guy goes in there and sparks this dude. And, and now he's the next big thing. I don't know, man. That featherweight division is like crazy, right? It's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, if 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 you were to gauge him better on his like overall skill set like who would you put him against damn i don't even know there's there's just like so many fighters and i can't even think off the top of my head like at 145 because look look if you if you look at the guys like uh just two fights ahead and Jonathan Pierce and Darren Elkins he's nowhere near the level of those two fighters, not even close, yeah. but you know, maybe you give him another contender series guy or a guy that's coming in. That's like one and one, you know, in their short career, you know, cause they gave him a guy that's Owen to really on the brink of getting cut in Rojo. So I think if you give another guy that's maybe a little bit better in the UFC career, maybe two and one or one and two, they're on their third fight and they really have to show him something. And maybe give him uh, Marshall to see if they they could get a win. But I think you kind of have to slow roll him, kind of like you're doing with Yasmin, because I don't think he's ready to fight anyone even remotely, uh, like a veteran in the UFC. Not yet. Like I wouldn't put him against anybody that has more than like four fights in the UFC. At least not now. Yeah, yeah it's that's what we think, but the UFC doesn't think that way, right? Because right. they're right. like. Oh. He got a knockout, you know what I mean? Like, he beat a guy that's much more experienced. Okay, now let's put him in there against another guy, like you said, that uh, that that has a couple fights, right? That has at least, like, three fights, maybe a little bit more than than Rojo, and uh, and test him out. You know what I mean? You know what would be interesting? If they paced, they put him against Chase Hooper. That would be so messed up, though. But, like, I, I feel like if you put anybody against Chase Hooper, it's kind of, like, messed up. Because, I don't know, man. I mean, I like Chase Hooper a lot. I'm a big fan of his, but... But Chase Hooper against... is 11-3. and three. He's, His record is not bad. No. no, it's not. It's just, like, you seem brutally to get beaten. It's like, you don't want to see that. <laughs> you don't want to see that happen. <laughs> but Chase I think Hooper it would be good, but, though. Win. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think fight. that... I think it would be a, a, a I think it'll be a competitive fight. I think Chase Hooper will be able to show us a lot more in his next fight. You know what I mean? I think it was just he had just had an off night against Steve Garcia. Steve Garcia had a great game plan against him, did well. But I feel like Hooper needs to get in there and get a get a good win. And I think this would actually they think would be a competitive fight though. Yeah, they're gonna have to put him against somebody that's like coming off a loss. That's that's yeah. a little bit experienced, you know. Maybe like a 
uh, Makwan Amirakani, someone like that. You know, I mean, he does have a lot of fights in the UFC, but I think like that's the type of fighter that they're gonna probably want to put Marshall against. Maybe even like a, a Stephen Ocho Peterson, someone like that. You know, like those are the I think those are the guys that you're gonna see fight a Francis Marshall, and yeah. and then those are the guys that are gonna take the fights against the Francis Marshalls, right? Because right. right nowadays, when you talk to fighters, and they're in the position of like like a Joe or a, a, a American. I don't know how much they're getting paid, but there's certain guys that are on still on their first contracts. Like you said, two, three fights. So they don't right. really care who they're fighting. They just want to fight. Even if it's a young guy, they don't care about the name. They just want a good matchup and they want to just go out there and, and fight out their contracts so they can get another contract, right? Their next contract, get more money and, and right. take their chances. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. What do you think about, um, what do you do with the uh, Rojo? Do you cut him? Like, there's not many fighters from Argentina, right? And and he's, what is he? He's 0-3 in the UFC? 0-3. Yeah, he's 0-3. Yeah, 0-3. It's hard to justify. 0-3 and got finished in all three losses. I feel like you, you cannot keep him on the roster after that. But he did take that fight, like, on really, really short notice in his debut, right? But the UFC right. don't care about that, right? At the end no. of the day, they don't care about you taking short notice fights. And he's had some very bad luck, right? After that debut, he had a fight against Kevin Kroom. Kevin Kroom, uh, he withdrew from the fight. And then he was matched up with Jonathan Martinez. And Jonathan Martinez had a botched weight cut. And then he was matched up against Daniel Santos. And Santos withdrew from that fight. And then he was matched up against Kyler Phillips. It's like, why Like, why would you take the fight against Kyler Phillips? That dude is a top 10 fighter in that bantamweight oh, yeah. division. And Rojo has one fight against Charles Jourdain at featherweight. He just got finished in. It's it's very confusing. And, and it kind of like gives credence to what he was saying. Like he was guided wrong, right? Like taking these fights because your management has to help you, right? Your management has to say like, yo, you shouldn't take this fight against Kyla Phillips. Like let's let's see what they give you next, right? But Rojo, he's the type of dude that's like, no, I don't give a shit. Like I will take any fight. I'll fight anybody. I could th- like he thinks he's the best in the world, right? Like most so it's just like whatever and uh it's almost like he got his like his proper guidance too late now yeah. he's sitting and get three in a row losses and uh i don't know man it's gonna be hard to justify and and he's also part of that glory mma man i don't we don't know what's gonna happen with glory mma we don't know what's gonna happen with all these fighters out of glory mma like what they decide to do were there any other fighters from glory mma on this card no he was uh, the only one right yeah he was the only one and now we're seeing fighters getting pulled from you know future fights like molina got pulled from his fight uh against jimmy flick and that fight is off uh we don't know who F- flick is fighting yet you know there are some rumblings of you know different fighters that i've heard but i don't know what they're going to do with the rest i think julian marquez has a fight coming up I heard some rumblings that he might get pulled from his fight too. I don't know, man. There's I don't oh, really there's... like are they pulling themselves or is the UFC pulling the fighters? I heard it was the UFC that pulled Molina really? off the card. That's why I heard. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's definite, but that's what I heard that he got the UFC wow. pulled him from there. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting because I thought they pulled themselves off the card. I thought Jeff I thought so... pulled himself and then I he thought so was just too. waiting for you know justice 
right. to be served, right? Because, right. you know, we want to kind of, we want to delve into that situation with sensitive hands, right? Like, because we right. don't know exactly everything. And we know things behind the scenes. Like, you probably know more than me, but we can't just go out there and speculate too much, right? And and right. make someone guilty until they're proven well, nowadays you're guilty until you're proven innocent, right? This is the world that we live in. So no matter what, if you're out there and there's speculation, that means like that's the the stigma that's attached to you forever, like forever. It doesn't matter what happens after this. He could be proven innocent and no wrongdoing, nothing. But still, the stigma will be there. And then if the stigma is there, will the UFC want to attach their name, their you know, distinguished name with a coach like that, right? Even though he was proven innocent, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy situation. What do you think, man? When you're sitting back and watching this all unfold, right? You're seeing like sports books pull UFC from, from their site, like no more gambling on UFC. Like, there's, there's a reason why the UFC is so popular. It's part of it's with gambling, right? Like Absolutely. gambling is a major part. That's what makes this sport so popular in certain countries that's why people say to me all the time why is korea not not supportive of mma as much as like jujitsu jujitsu is a martial art it's not like fighting right it's different right and jujitsu is huge over here right because people go there and it's like a it's like taekwondo you know what i mean like that's how they treat it mma is not that big people think it's big because oh they see the korean zombie and they see how the korean fighters fight but here, it's not very big. And the reason why it's not big is because you can't gamble on it. Gambling's illegal in Korea yeah. unless you, you know, you know, unless you do government, you know, government for some reason is allowed to do everything, but no one else is. But yeah, like gambling is a major part of it. What do you think? What do you think happens? Like, actually, no, not what do you think happens? What is it like to see this stuff unfold as someone that gambles? Oh, man, it's crazy. Uh like I kind of knew there was something, something wrong. And like immediately before the fight even happened, I think everybody knew because of the fact that like the line was moving astronomically that you'll never see, especially on such a small market fight of Derek Minner and Norman Becca. Like that fight, you can't get such high limits. And they were, and there was, they were hammering props on this, on this fight. It was insane. So I'm not surprised it happened, but it's just crazy to actually see it unfold the way it's happening. You know what I mean? Like you, you never want to see anybody get in trouble for, you know, for something like this, for stupidity, really. That's what it boils down to being like, that's someone thinking they know they can cheat the system. Like you have to know the repercussions to your actions. That is something you should have known right away. And I'm not going to say he did or he didn't do anything, but, um, you, like you're talking this big game, like you're this huge handicapper. You're making all this money. You're putting all these things out there, saying you're making more money doing this than anything else. You should know that this is one thing, a hundred percent illegal, and two, you know you'd get in trouble for it. You know, it's just something that, like, like you know, as a better that you can't, you can't do these things. They have alerts. They have a lot of security measures put in place to find who does these things and what's going on there. It's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. And sports books will not want to lose money. You know, they will go out of their way to make sure they never lose money. And if you try to cheat them out of money, Oh, they will come for you. 
and they don't they don't care. And I feel like now that since Canada was banning the UFC, uh, I think in like the Toronto region, um, and then uh, like on the east coast of Canada, and I think that's where DraftKings operates some of their sports books as well. I think since DraftKings cannot let anybody bet on UFC in that region, they're taking a hit. And I feel like they were cracking down on the UFC because I believe DraftKings is one of their biggest sponsors. And they're like, you have to do something here or we got to do something on our end because we're losing money because you yeah. have somebody over here doing some shady shit. So I think that's why they they had to crack down because prior to this weekend, Dana was like, oh, we did our investigation. <laughs> they're fine. Nothing, nothing's going on and, and this and that. And then all of a sudden, just like a few weeks later, oh, you're banned. Oh, okay. I wonder why. Yeah, it's yeah. and when you go back and, and watch like interview that James Krause did with Errol Hawani on his show, I think right after he decided to retire officially, I think that's what that's when he did the interview. And yeah. he blatantly says that he makes more money gambling on fights than he does coaching anything. Like that's where he makes money. He he blatantly says that he has a Discord where he discusses gambling, bets, all of that stuff. And and even Ariel asked him, like, did you bet on Brendan Moreno, your fighters? Do you fight bet on your fighters? Like, yeah, he said it, like, very, like, confidently yeah. that he bets on his own fighters, you know what I mean? Like, on, on the fights. Like, I was like, man, that doesn't look good at all when this nope. investigation is going on. And then I remember I interviewed Derek Minner ahead of this fight. And uh, he was actually coming off of a, a, a concussion, you know, con a concussion, right? That's why he was out because he had a concussion, uh, I think. Oh, wow. And he, he was pulled for the previous fight because, you know, the doctors told him, like, you need to take some time off. But then he was coming into this fight against Nerman Beck. And, uh, he and I asked him about because that's when the gambling ban just hit, right? So I was asking yeah. all the fights, like, what do you guys think about the gambling ban? Like, you know, do you bet on fights? Do you look at odds? And and he said, like, how are you, how are you going to know? Like, how are you going to know, like, if my brother decides to go and bet $1,000 on my... In the interview, he says this. It's interesting. Like, it just plays out that way, like, with this fight, right? I don't know, man. I don't know if... I don't know if there's any wrongdoing on Minner's side or even on James Krause's side. But those... Like, that interview James Krause did does not look good. Also, him... Like, like, did he delete his Instagram? He deleted his YouTube channel. He delete, like, delete. That does not look good at all, man. It doesn't. It doesn't look good. Maybe the UFC told him to. Maybe, Maybe. someone advised him to. You know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows? You know what I mean? But it does not look good. And uh, this is a historic moment in MMA yeah. right now, right? This is a historic moment. It, It's uh, something that you will always remember. And James Charles will always be, like, etched in history now. No matter what happens with with this, like whatever investigation turns out, whatever evidence comes out, he will always, even if found innocent, right? He will always be etched. Glory MMA, like what do they do now? Do they? How do they? How do they like maneuver through this like ban of James Krause? Like, does James Krause sell the gym to somebody else? Does he just like not go to the gym? Do the fighters leave the gym? Like, I don't understand like what's going because he has so many fighters, right? He has a ton of fighters that are in the UFC in Bellator in other organizations. And he has a lot of prospects 
that he has pretty much like raised through the ranks, right? That are mm-hmm. going to eventually go to the UFC. Like, how do they manage all that? Like, I don't understand. Like, I understand, but like, I don't know how they're going to do it, right? How do they even like, like, put in a protocol where he's not involved? You know? Yeah. I don't know, man. And I kind of feel bad because, I mean, there's other gyms, other like there's Glory MMA, the headquarters. And then you have the other affiliates of yes. Glory MMA elsewhere. And, you know, they have all their fighters, but they're under the Glory banner. They don't train like under crowds. Mm. They train out of, you know, whatever the other coach is at that gym. And that really sucks for them because they got a lot of students at those other gyms that what they can't they can't make it to the big show now they have to change camps because of kraus and that whole situation yeah, that's messed up so i don't know what they're gonna do i already heard some some fighters already you know the part-time fighters aren't coming into to glory mma mm-hmm. anymore um and they're staying wherever they're you know wherever they do their other camp other the other half of their camp um i don't know man it's 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 a tough situation because there's a lot of fighters like careers are kind of like put on hold at this point and yeah, what, what I mean, about Moreno? Is Moreno going to yeah. fight? Like, what are we? What's going to happen? Oh, he's fighting. You know, he's fighting. Yeah, he's I know. Fight. I, I, I agree. But like, like he should be fighting. But what? Like, if you let him fight, how are you not going to let everybody else fight? You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. Um, you know, you know how UFC is. They're selective on a lot of things as well. You know, yes, it's, that's true. It's, they could do just, what they, they could do what they want, and yeah. we can speculate all we want, and it doesn't really matter. They're gonna do what what they want anyways. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah, they don't. They don't. And uh, there's always they're always gonna they're always gonna look out for themselves. And usually that's what people do, right? That's you know businesses, especially when you're a multi-billion dollar company and you're in debt with multi-billions of dollars, <laughs> right? Like because eight point eight billion dollars, I don't think they just save cash for that, right? There right. was a lot of loans taken out for, for that, uh, for that sale. Um, yeah, so it was interesting, man. Keeping your eye on that, and uh, there's so much stuff going on in MMA that's not like doesn't bring doesn't shine a good light on MMA, but uh, no. yeah. It makes it interesting, man, and uh, outside of the fights. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the yeah. next fight, lightweight, Natan Levy versus uh, Genario Valdez, right? Valdez, I think he made his debut. Let me let me let me check. Another Mexican fighter made his debut against. Uh, yeah, he, I'm right. Matt Fravola coming off the contender series. He gets knocked out in the first round. This time around, he comes in against Natan Levy, a, a decent striker. And pretty much gets styled on for 15 yeah. minutes, right? Did you did yeah. you place any bets on this one? I actually did. I had Levy parlayed with uh I think Nicolau in a parlay. I think they were like minus one ten. Oh. So I brought it brought it all the way down, uh, cut out a lot of the juice there. Um I, I, I thought he looked good. I, I wanted to see more grappling out of him early on, but he, he looked good in the striking early. Uh, you know, he dropped I they they didn't even count any of those knockdowns that he had in the first round for some odd reason. Like if you go on UFC stats, they have zero knockdowns for Levy in that first round. And he had like three, almost four in that first round. And I'm like, okay. Um, and actually it was DraftKings. DraftKings, they didn't didn't give him any knockdowns in that first round. I'm like, that's insane. Cause I had Levy in my lineup. Uh, but he looked good. You know, he does what he does well, keep his distance, utilize his kicks, utilize his movement. Stayed out of uh, the way of the heavy hands of Valdez. And then towards the middle portion, the later rounds, he started using his grappling, where I think he had 
such a massive advantage early on, but he wasn't able to get it done. But yeah, it was a good win for him. Now eight and one. Um, he can keep he can keep climbing up the ranks. I think he's got a he's got a good skill set, you know, and um, I think it'll take him it'll take him far. I don't know if he'll he could turn into a contender, but as of right now, he's just I think he'll be like a middle of a pack type of fighter. Yeah, he he's still developing, right? Levy, right? So his last two wins are against Valdez and and Mike Breeden. He lost his uh, debut. Uh, against Rafa Garcia, all decisions, right? So this guy, he's either he's going to decision for a loss or a win. So right. looking forward, when you when you bet on fights, right, and you look at a guy that's going to decision constantly, like every fight he's, he's in a decision where even if he wins or loses, do you bet the decision? Like, do you risk that against someone like him? Depends on the, the fight that he's going against. If the mm-hmm. fight he's going against you know, has the chin or the submission defense to, to hang in there. Yeah. I'll take the shot on the, on the decision prop. If, you know, I need, if I need to cut out the juice, like minus 200. Yeah. You really don't want to lay the juice on there. So you probably want to bet the decision prop, which probably would have cut it down to, I think it was plus, I honestly think it was like plus 200. Cause the, the, the sub was was favored over the decision in that fight. So they had everybody was betting Levy to win via submission, but you know, and then Levy won the decision. You know, everybody was betting the the, the sub here. The the yeah. books, but the books thought he was going to get the sub as well. But he comes out with the decision. So that's why I don't like betting props too much, unless because like anything could happen, man. Like you could slip on a banana peel. Because like, look at the people that we'll get to it later. But look at the people that bet on Wonderboy by decision. Yeah, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, Levy, he's interesting, man. And uh, I, I, I think if you match him up next, he probably would be a good matchup for someone like uh, DeCasey. You know, someone that lost on the card. If we'll get to it, the fight coming up. But uh, DeCasey, you know, he's had he's had. 13 fights in the UFC. He's coming off a loss. He a lot of decisions uh in his record. And uh yeah, I think it's a good stylistic matchup for some someone like Levy, right? It was a good test and it's actually a good good fight for uh DeCasey to get a to get another win or to get back into a win column, right? After after uh losing to uh Michael Johnson. But uh Valdez, man, they're gonna put like that's two in a row, right? Where he's lost. And he hasn't looked very good. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who they put him against, but they're going to probably put him against another veteran, right? Or somebody that they're trying to build up, like a, a, yeah. a new prospect, right? That's coming into the UFC. And, uh, man, he's got to win that fight. You know what I mean? He's got to win that fight. A lot of these guys are coming in with, with not enough experience, and they're getting – manhandled by these guys that are much more experienced at a higher level you know i mean there's experience but then there's experience at a higher level with like certain stylistic matchups and i think valdez has an experience that valdez seems like he's a guy that just wants it to go in there and brawl yeah right and that's good for ufc right like they they want guys to go in there and and do that but i don't know he's like he cut he's like cut from the lineage of Derek El- Darren Elkins for some reason. You know what I mean? That's the next fight. Let's transition yeah. over to that one. <laughs> Darren Elkins, the guy, the guy that like everybody's like, every time he fights, he's Darren Elkins is a warrior. Darren Elkins yep. is like so durable. Dar- 
when does that become like Darren Elkins needs to switch up his style and fight smart? Like, when does that ch- tell me, Garrett, man? Like, when does that change? I don't know, man. I don't think that's ever going to change. That's that's embedded in Elkins DNA is just to go in there, eat a ton of strikes to the head, bleed profusely for 15 minutes and just put on a hell of a performance and lose by decision. That's just what he does. Um, you know, he he didn't look great, let's put it that way, but Darren Elkins' stuff is nails. I He hung in there much longer than I thought he would. Honestly, I thought Pierce was going to run through him. Pierce looked great, though. I give him his credit. He looked phenomenal, good with his uh, defensive grappling. We saw a lot more of his striking. His striking looked crisp. He looked good defensively everywhere. Um I, I think this was a great win for him. Uh, what is he now? Five and zero in the UFC, he, or no? I'm sorry, five and one, or he's won five in a row, or something like that, or four in a row. He's he's looking really good, and um, you know, I'm I'm excited for him because I I didn't have a lot of praise for him until he came in and and just started wrecking havoc at 145 pounds. Once he made the the drop down from 155, it's pretty damn massive for 145. He's huge and i think that bodes well for me he uses that to his advantage with his wrestling and his reach i don't know man i think i think this i think pierce could really be a top 15 fighter i i i've liked what i've seen from him he's improving every fight he's taking the necessary step up in competition as well uh being someone like darren elkins is a good win for him and um i think he could possibly get a fringe top 15 fighter next yeah, Pierce is very good, man. When you look at his record, debuted at lightweight, lost that to, to Joe Lauzon. You know what I mean? He got caught in that weird position where he got pounded out in the first round. Not a loss that, you know, you could build off of it, right? It's not a loss where you just, like, go into depression. Like, you could build off right. of Joe Lauzon's. He's slick. But after that, man, like, he's been on a run, dude. Like, Kai Kamaka, that's a solid win. He finished him in the second round. Omar finished him in the second round. Omar Morales, yep. he's a solid fighter as well. Christian Rodriguez beat him by decision, and then Amir Khani finished him in the second round, and now he finishes off with uh, Darren Elkins' decision. Very solid performance. People expected he was a heavy, heavy favorite, right? He was minus right. 500 heading into the fight. Um, yeah, it's it's who do you put him against, right? Who's a French top 15 fighter that's experienced? I would say Cub Swanson, but Cub Swanson's at Bantamweight now? Is he? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, unless he goes back up, I mean, he just got finished at one thirty-five. Who knows? Yeah, he didn't you know look what good I mean? in that one at all, did he? He didn't look no, good not, at all in that one. No, not one not bit. Good. I mean, like, I mean, you got Alex Caceres. That 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 he's a he's actually at fifteen right now. Give him Alex Caceres. Why not? Throw him against yeah. him. French French top fifteen. Even uh, a Dan Ige, Edson Barbosa. I think those are great fights for him. Yeah, I, I think, think uh, Caceres would probably be the better fight. I think right? so, too. Caceres would yeah, get, be a better fight. Yeah, get him into the top 15 and then start working his way up of the rankings from there. But Caceres is matched up against uh, Julian Erosa next. I think in, the, I think oh, in yeah. two weeks. I think, I, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, in two weeks. So we'll see how that plans pans out. But let's say Caceres loses that fight. I think Jonathan Pierce can can walk in and get matched up against Caceres no matter what, you know what I mean? Because Julian Rosa, you know, he deserves, I think, a spot if he beats Caceres. Absolutely. Maybe we put him against him. Yeah, he's he's getting better and better, man. His skill set is 
is rounding out really well. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to to see what happens with his career. Elkins, that was his 27th fight for the UFC. And uh, he's becoming like the Diego Sanchez of yep. the featherweight division. That's basically what he, he's become. And I think the UFC keeps those guys around. Like veterans, they don't get paid as much as they should. And they take yeah. any fight and they always bring it. And uh, I'm just wondering when uh, this is going to catch up. You know what I mean? Because really, Darren Elkins is not like on like a huge, massive losing streak. He's won a couple. He's lost a couple. He was on a huge, massive losing streak like a couple years back. But currently, he doesn't look too bad, right? But he just gets cut too easy. And I think that's yeah. the problem as well. Just his face is just full of uh, scar tissue. So if you breathe on him. He gets cut. He's like Nate Diaz, right? Just 10 yeah. times worse. And uh, we'll see what happens man, with, uh, with Darren Elkins. Uh, the next one, a lightweight bout between Michael Johnson and Mark DeCasey. This is an interesting fight, man. Um, Michael Johnson coming in with uh, with a heavy heart against, uh, you know, due to, you know, Rumble Johnson passing away not too long ago. Uh, rest in peace to, to Rumble Johnson. And uh, in there. And uh, I didn't think he looked that good, though, to be honest with no. you. He didn't look fast like he no. normally did, right? Like, did he look no. slower than normal? I thought he was going yeah. to spark out to Casey, to be honest with you. I thought the Casey was going to wrestle more and yep. be able to wrestle him if he did. But then if he didn't, like, I thought Michael Johnson would just be faster and just have that power. But he didn't look. What did you think overall about the fight? I thought it was a horrible fight to begin with, like, None of them really wanted to win. They didn't really go for it. Neither one of them wanted to really get hit or wanted to put each other put themselves in harm's way. Jack Casey was going for half-ass takedown attempts. Uh, wasn't even trying to really finish it. And Johnson was throwing one-twos. Really wasn't throwing any combinations. Didn't look like he was putting everything into his punches. Looking for a knockout. And I don't know how Jack Casey thought he was gonna. He won that fight when it went to the judges scorecards I, like I, that was blasphemy i like i knew he lost i was you know had some hope that we would i would get some type of split garbage because i did bet on the casey but man that was that was that was horrible to watch it, it it pained me watching that fight it was just so bad like like i said neither one of them really wanted to win they were just fighting to not to lose in my opinion yeah it was it was a underwhelming fight I, I expected more out of this matchup you know i expected more out of michael johnson and hopefully maybe it's because of uh what was going on in his personal life right with with rumble johnson and you know you got to kind of you know be compassionate about that right i think he right. after the fight he was very emotional during the uh, post-fight press conference talking about rumble johnson but he pulled it out man he pulled it yeah. out and uh that's what matters at the end of the day with uh with the ufc is like you just gotta win right like you just gotta win and if you win you move forward and uh we talked about i talked about the casey maybe fighting uh uh Linton levy i think that's a good matchup for for both guys that maybe possibly uh build off their career you know Linton levy jumping back in uh what is it building a, a win streak and uh, and then the casey getting back in the one column um man Johnson has 27 fights in the UFC, man. He has just been, yeah, he has just as many fights as um, 
Darren Elkins, isn't that wild? Man, it's like we've been watching him fight since forever, bro. Like yeah, years and best. years. Like I've been watching this, you know, since I was what, like 14, 15 UFC, and we've been watching Johnson fight for well, I've been watching him fight, it felt like forever, honestly. For a long, long time. And it's crazy that he's still 2010 is when he started fighting for the UFC. Damn. 12 years we've been watching the fight, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. And he's still at a high level, though. Yeah, you know, yes, yeah. he's 21 and 18, and he's alternating wins and losses. But he had a split decision uh, loss against Jamie Malarkey, who he could have arguably won that fight. Um, and now he beats Jai Casey. He beat Alain Patrick. I mean, he's still fighting at an extremely high level, which is kind of crazy. He is. He is. He's fighting at a high level, and man, he's fought the best of the best at lightweight. Like, he beat Ferguson, you know, he beat uh T Bow, Melvin Gallard, Edson Barboza, he he knocked out Dustin Poirier, he beat uh Feely, he beat the GOAT, Artem Lobov. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's he has like I don't know if he has a Hall of Fame like record, but he has a record that is respectable. Extremely oh, yeah. respectable. And and uh I don't know, I don't know how long longer he will fight. But I think he'll fight as long as the UFC keeps him around. You know what I mean? Like, but he's a guy I think he should, to be honest with you, I think a lot of these guys should just like fight out their contracts and go fight for the PFL. Oh, They're yeah. giving away millions of dollars. Yeah. Why would you not want to? Like, you know, like you see right now with, um, with, uh, what's his name? Charles Rosa calling out Brendan Lognane yeah. about like fighting for, like, a lot of the guys should be doing that. Why would yeah. you want to be in the middle of the pack for 10 years and not even make a million dollars, right? Because usually middle of the pack guys are probably making like 20 and 20 for like a long time when you could just go and fight one season and get a million dollars and then go to the next season and get a million dollars. You know, like it's, it's, it's possible, right? But I think right. uh, a lot of these guys can't handle that, that schedule of fighting what was it four times in six months or something like that? It's hard, man. It's it's not an easy thing. It's not easy. But uh no. and then also you have to figure out like if you don't win that million dollars, you'll be making less than your UFC contract. You know what I mean? Possibly, yeah. So you yes. gotta get a, a good solid like uh like uh what is it, guarantee pay, right, right. for the season. And uh, and then, yeah, if you got to be very confident in your skill set, like to go in there and say, hey, I'm going to risk the whole year for this season and then rest the rest of the year. But uh, we'll see, man. We'll see what happens. Like, I, there's a lot of old guys, you know, what I mean, fighting on this card. Like the next card after that you got or the next fight after that was a uh, Guida versus Scott Holzman. Scott Holzman's retirement fight. Right. And yeah. uh, I think it was the right time for him to retire. Like. It just didn't seem like he he's he's facing Clay Guida, right? Like Clay Guida's Clay Guida's Clay Guida. Yeah, he fights, right? And uh he's kind of like Daryl gets in a way, right? He's yeah. he's kind of like at that point of his career. Not really much to 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 talk about in this fight. It's a split decision for Clay Guida. And uh the only thing that I wanted to ask you about is like say like you bet on a fighter and you know they lost. And they go to decision, but then they win the split. Like, how was the emotions of, like, a bet like that? 
oh, it's the greatest emotion of your life. <laughs> Yo, like I, I think I've had that happen maybe uh, just a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, it was Charles Johnson. When Charles Johnson uh, won his oh, fight, yeah. oh man, I went nuts because <laughs> I'm like, oh, he sure, he sure as shit lost. And then, nope, nope. I'm like, oh my yes, holy, let's go. It's like there's no way you should have won that. Hey, but hey, sometimes, sometimes the MMA gods give you one, but a lot of the times they take it away from you. So, I mean, uh, Dustin Jacoby is the one that they took away from me, and I was, I was highly upset about that because that was straight up robbery but then they give it back to you in other ways yeah you know it balances out right right balances out um holtzman he retires after this fight you know he his record in ufc seven and six 13 fights in the ufc that was his third loss in a row but he's fought some killers too man he fought gamrot and uh knew their use before this um he fought jim miller beat jim miller uh other than that, he fought Josh Emmett, lost to him. He fought Drew Dober. You know, his career, he's fought some of the top guys, just couldn't beat them. And, you know, I, I don't I don't hate it that he's retiring because sometimes you realize, hey, man, I get to this point in my career, and it's like I'm doing the best training that I can get, and I just can't perform against the top guys. And sometimes, you know, if you have something you could fall back on, why not? You know what I mean? Save your brain. Right. Like I've had conversations with coaches that were fighters and the reason why some of them decide to leave fighting to just focus on coaching is because they're talented coaches as well. But on top of that, they want to live a normal life with their brain. You know what I mean? Because that's, let's be realistic. Like you're going to go get punched in the head. Your brain is not going to feel good. Right. Like even if you train a little bit, you understand that it, your body hurts. You know what I mean? And imagine like going a hundred percent every day of the week in training. It's your body's just going to be wrecked. So uh, respect to Holtzman for uh, retiring. Um, the next fight, Angela Hill versus Emily Dakota. Emily Dakota went into this fight as the favorite. This was a fight that I thought Emily Dakota is talented, right? She showed in the first fight that she can, she can outstrike a grappler. Right. And uh, it was a good like showcase fight for her, as, especially for a debut fight. And it allowed her to crack the top 15. But then she goes in there against uh, uh, Penne's teammate, who's a totally different style and has way more experience and is a is a, a decisionator. Let's be real, a decisionator. <laughs> and she could really put it together and get a solid decision. That's what she did in this fight. Right. And Dakota yeah. seemed like she just couldn't get started. She just couldn't figure out the movement of Hill, and uh, as the underdog man, I think a lot of people hit this hit hit big on this fight, right? I think they did. Uh, I was, you know, I wanted to to take Hill here. I didn't take Dakota, but I just had some newfound love for Dakota because I was betting on her when she was in Evicta. I bet on her in her debut, so I really didn't want to fade her. So I kind of just let this one go. Uh, ultimately, I should have bet on Hill, and she looked phenomenal. Um, and like you said, Dakota couldn't get to that next gear because she couldn't trap Hill. You know, the the bigger octagon was not in her favor whatsoever. She couldn't, you know, move forward without getting punched in the face, and she wasn't utilizing those calf kicks that she was against Penne at all. I thought she would utilize the calf kicks to help stop the movement of Hill, but she barely even touched the, the legs. So I was... It, 
I don't know. The game plan was off. She wasn't also attempting in, uh, takedowns, and she was just getting just like in a lull. You know, she was watching Hill uh, through and just following her throughout the fight, where instead of trying to actually fight her and uh, you know try to come out with the win, and maybe being also in the biggest on the biggest stage of her career too, um, maybe that really did her in. You know, fighting it out in a, a sold out crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something new to her because Invicta is definitely had, ne- it doesn't have crowds like the UFC does. So uh, the walkout and everything maybe maybe took a toll. We really don't know. It, it takes a toll on, on different fighters, but Hill, you can't really take anything away from her. She looked phenomenal. She went in there and showed that there's absolutely levels to this, and um, Hill's still a mainstay in that in that top of the division. She's not going anywhere. Yeah, she's not going anywhere. I think she's gonna probably get a another fight kind of similar to this. She, I don't think she's gonna get like a a contender or something like that. I don't think they're gonna right. do that for her. But she'll get someone that she hasn't fought because she's pretty much fought everybody. Um, has she fought Mackenzie Dern? No, I don't. I don't. No, I don't so. think so. But I don't think they're gonna uh-huh. do that. I don't think they're gonna match her up with Mackenzie Dern. I think that I think Mackenzie Dern is gonna probably sit back and train and develop a little bit more. She's probably realized like what well, she needs to work on a, a lot since the last fight. So uh um it I don't know what they do with the uh, Hill, but I think they give her someone that's very similar, uh someone that's coming up in the division, but still kind of like a uh has she fought Luana Pin- Pinero? No, no, she hasn't. No, she hasn't. That's actually not a bad fight. I think she's she's like right on the verge of that top 15, Luana. Um, yeah, I think that's a good fight. It's a good stylistic matchup. For Dakota, I think same thing. I think she steps back and fights somebody, but give her somebody with a name because she's in the top 15. I, th- I don't think her stock drops by losing to, to Hill. No. I think she's still a no. top 15 fighter. I say give her Carolina Kolum, I think whatever. I, I don't know. I don't Kovac- know Kovacavich, yeah. right? I think you give her that that fight. I think that fight's actually a good stylistic matchup too. It's, it's a striker, right? Yep. And she doesn't move like Hill does. And I think it will give... Uh, a good like you know a gauge and like how good she is you know i mean on you know it's a bigger name someone that i think caroline did she fight for the title she did. she did yeah, yeah she did so i think that i think that's a good fight for her uh, a good stylistic uh stylistic matchup now it makes it makes sense yeah yeah the next fight philip Rowe versus nico price you know nico price always good a good fight you know what i mean probably the one of the Probably there's a few guys probably on this card that you should never bet on because they're just so unpredictable. I think Nico Price is probably one of them, right? Like he's yeah. just so volatile that you can't really gauge on like what he's going to do, win or lose. Correct? Yeah. Um, it sucks because I'm a, a huge fan of Nico's, but like he just looked off too. He, you know, he looked considerably slower and due to probably the surgeries or the procedures that he had done on his knees, uh, which led to the long layoff. And he just wasn't able to, you know, find his range against someone who's much taller, much longer than him. He was winging punches from different angles. Um, yeah. He was touching him up a little bit. He was, you know, it was hurting row in the last round, but I mean, he emptied the tank and he literally had to, because he was down 2-0 to row where row was just doing as he pleased, you know, staying at range, pumping the jab, using his long range attacks. He looked phenomenal. This was, a great win for Philip Rowe. Um, 
you know, getting a good name under his belt. He's now on a three fight winning streak. He's, he's looking better than he, than he has. And he's showing that like, he's actually a black belt in jujitsu, but his, he's a better striker than he is in his, than his grappling. And, yeah. and it's really showed he's, he's gotten leaps and bounds better uh, since, you know, his previous days. And uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. And uh, I don't know where he, who he's got, who he should fight next, but, Who's where could Nico Price go though? That's where I want to know. Who where does he go from here? Especially after getting knocked out the way he did. When you look at the the statistics, right? Nico Price was the volume guy. Like he yeah. landed 150 strikes compared to 64 for Philip Rowe. Like it was just way more volume for a. Uh, for Nico Price because he's just so active, right? But then the impact, that's what you really want to look at. And that's where Philip Rowe comes in. He was just more damage, more impact. And uh, you kind of, in a way, you kind of see like, you know, the the power levels going down, right? When when Philip Rowe would, would land and, and Nico wasn't doing much to Philip Rowe. And Philip Rowe looked really good. I mean, I think he's had some really, really good uh, stylistic uh stylistic matchups and yeah it's it's three in a row three finishes you got nico price jason witt uh, ryan cozy it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do with him right? it's like who do they put him against because you want him to kind of like build up you don't want to push him into uh something too crazy but then you want to see something fun right i say yeah you put him against brian barbarena i think that'll be a fun fight that would be, be a barn burner because you know those two they're going to stand there and trade and i think yeah. that brings out the best of both fighters especially philip bro where a guy's just going to stand there and trade right in front of him no one's he's not going to get taken down he's not going to have to worry about the takedowns because his takedown defense isn't great but it's gotten better he's actually gotten a lot better we've seen that in nico Price and this nico price fight his takedown defense got better and he was the one that was landing takedowns so I don't know, man. He's 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 made some major strides, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm happy to see it. He's he's improved a lot. Yeah, I think uh, that could be a possibility. You know, they're kind of clear in the, in the rankings as well, and uh, and for Nico Price, they're gonna put him against somebody that is gonna bring out like a a dog fight, someone that's gonna probably stay on the feet and and exchange with him. Um, I could see them put him against like a an Andre Fialo. Someone like that, you know, he's coming off two losses. He needs to get on back in the win column. Use a that's veteran. A good fight. That's yeah, a good fight. It's a very good fight. And uh, or you know, they could put him against like a a, a Miguel Beza Beza or Beza, Baza. right? The, yeah. The caramel, the caramel thunder. They could yeah. do that. There's a there's, you know, has he fought Court McGee? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> has he fought Matt Brown? Like these are matchups that yeah. people would see on like a fight night and be like, "Oh, that's that's not a, that's not bad. That's interesting." Like I would like yeah. to see them them go at it. You know, maybe a, a Danny Roberts. That's a, actually a very good fight for Nico Price. Yep. Who knows? But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. Philip Bro, they still need to kind of build them up, right, and give them yeah. veterans. That are very yeah. good stylistic matchups, and uh, I think uh, Barbarino would be good. Uh, the next fight, a middleweight fight between uh, Eric Anders and uh, Kyle Dawkins. A lot of people were saying that Kyle Dawkins came back too soon. Like that was something that. Uh, what did you think of that? 
that fight. Oh, I, absolutely. I 100% believe that because he, he just like he took one punch from, from Anders and then it just the changed, completely changed the landscape of the fight. But that normally wouldn't happen prior to um, the Delitzi fight. I mean, he could take a punch. He, he took punches from Kevin Holland in the Kevin Holland fight. I mean, he's been taking punches prior, but like, man, that that Delitzi fight really completely changed his career. He battered his face so bad and then coming back so early, I think it was way too early. You can't really take anything away from Andrews because Andrews looked great. He looked crisp. He had good takedown defense. He looked honestly the that was honestly the best performance of his entire UFC career. If if I'm not mistaken, that was that was a phenomenal performance, and he looked like he he made some strides. He he he's gotten better. He improved, and he flowed really well on the feet. Um, and he just looked good. Very powerful. Very um, quick. He just looked rejuvenated. I don't know. He's he's normally looks slow out there. But he looked really fast in this fight against Dawkins. He was faster than the two, more powerful than the two. He was just the better fighter. Yeah, he just he just looked better. Um, and one thing interesting about uh, this matchup and just Kyle Dawkins, like the headbutt. I think yeah. the headbutt affected him a lot as well because his jaw didn't look like after the headbutt, like his jaw, like something's wrong. Something was off right there, right? Like. Yeah. I don't know what was going on, but he didn't look uh, like he was – and he came – and he just like – he didn't really take a rest. He just said, let's go. Let's get back into it. And, yeah, man, he dropped him a few times. Um, it was not a good fight for Kyle Dawkins. Eric Anders, after the fight, you noticed that he was he was really like going through something ahead of this fight with his confidence and everything, and, and he really needed this fight as well. I think Carl Doc, Kyle Dawkins, him too, you know, he needed this fight, but um, – what can you do? Eric Anders, man, I, I see him. He's uh he's back in the win column after uh after losing two in a row. The last one was uh via split decision. I would like to see him uh fight um yeah, I would like to see him fight Armin Petrosian. I think that would be a good fight. You know? I mean it would be it'd be fun, but I feel like he would get absolutely dominated in that matchup though. Oh, you think like, so? he would the not striking? He, Oh yeah, he won't be able to get in range. He'll be kicked to death, like horribly bad. Like you need to go against a guy that's like a boxer. Like you go against a kicker, he has no idea how to get in range, and he'll just be whipping at air. And and Petrosian, I think, will probably catch him at something. It, it, it would kind of look like the same type of fight Petrosian just had against yeah. another guy that's more of a boxing centric striker with some a little bit plus grappling. Kind of the same thing with this with Eric Anders. What about Chitty Bang Bang? Ooh, that would be a good one. Yeah, I that's think that'd a good, be good fight. One. I think yeah, that's a good that's one. A good one. There's, a, there's a few options. Yeah, yeah, there's a few options. You know, you got Ian Heinish as well. Like, that would be, you know, he's been out for a while, but uh, he's coming off two losses. Uh, what about Mahmoud uh, Muradov? He's another solid matchup for, for Eric Anders. Yeah, it's, it's a few options out there. Bruno Silva would be another option. That's a good one, too. Against. Right, that'll be a Kyle that'll Dacus. be a barn burner. Yeah, Kyle Dawkins. That's how many in a row for him? That's uh, okay. two in a row. That's right? two in a row for him. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good idea for him to take the rest of the year off. Well, there's not many months left in the rest of the year, but I think he should come back maybe towards the end of next year, take some time, 
recuperate. Yeah. He's had some some major injuries, man, during his UFC run so far, right? He had that thing with his eye. I mean, like, um, what was it like? Yeah, he's had some some like tough, tough fights. And yeah. a lot of headbutts for some reason in his fight. I think he had there's been headbutts in the last three fights. His last yep. three fights, which is wild to me. And it all started with Kevin Holland, man. Kevin Holland's the bad, bad, <laughs> bad juju from Kevin Holland, man. Like he's uh he's not doing uh anybody favors. Um the next fight, Roman Dolizzi, Dolize, Dolize, yeah, Dolize versus Jack Hermanson. Roman comes in late notice, short notice, and uh takes on Jack Hermanson number eight in the middleweight division. And uh yeah, impressive. Impressive. Yeah. I, I was picking Dolaze to win this fight because I he just has that death power. You know, like he if he catches you, he's gonna start you. And uh but he didn't even need to do that, you know what I mean? Because he got to the ground and, and I and I found out that he's very well versed on the ground. He like that he had the calf slicer sweep, mm-hmm. and then I think most guys probably wouldn't be able to get out of that, to be honest with you. No. Like Nothing against no. Jack Hermanson. He's very well-versed on the ground. Most guys, you saw him grimace once that got in, and he wasn't even on top of him yet. And uh, once he got on top, there's no way to get out, especially with those ham hock hands that uh, that Roman has. Just got that second-round finish. Did you bet on this one? I had Jack Hermanson in this fight, unfortunately. is one of my bad picks. Well, I can't even say bad because Jack Hermanson was basically – cruising in this fight until he decides to go and grapple for what reason i will never know because he gave roman an opportunity to to do something you know because roman's very opportunistic you give him an inch he'll go a mile you know uh you give him an opportunity to smash your face in he you know he'll take advantage of it you give him uh, an opportunity to to snatch a limb or uh, or submit you or whatever he will do it exactly what happened well, Jack was looking good on the feet, just staying at distance, poking him with some leg kicks. He was the one that was the busier fighter, definitely throwing much more volume on the feet. Roman had really nothing for him on the feet because he really wasn't able to, like, you know, uh, trap him against the fence and utilize that power that he has. But, you know, and then Jack goes for takedowns. After the first takedown and where you got almost put in a, a guillotine and then you get back to your feet and he sweeps you as well as he did in the first round, why would you go back? to grappling there was no need for that but roman took advantage of it and man was that fucking impressive that was supremely impressive one of the the best submission submissions not even a submission because it was like it was like a submission to a ground and pound it was like one of the 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 best like transitions to a ground and pound finisher you will ever see and he swept him in the first round like you don't see sweeps like that Nope. in the ufc very often in the first round he swept him with like the arm bar sweep it was so clean i was just like what yeah. <laughs> like is he like a like the big boys as to you know the big boys too um he did that to jack so you think jack would get back up and say let me utilize my striking and my speed because you could tell he was just so much faster than him and that movement was giving him trouble and he could have just done the angela hill yep and one of the decisions were probably you were expecting, right? I think a lot of people were expecting that in this fight. Yeah. Like, stay away from the power, stay away from the danger, and win the fight. Because at the end of the day, you have that number eight spot, and all you have to do is win. That's it. You know what I mean? Go home and get two checks. 
but uh, it didn't happen that way, man. Roman came in and did his thing. Very, very impressive. Uh, probably one of the the most unique finishes of the year. Probably the most unique finish of the year, right? Like you use the submission to get the TKO finish. Where do you see that? Not I've very never. often. No, that never, wasn't right. Never. Crazy. That was crazy. So you got to put that up there as like top five finishes in the year, right? Like probably the best finish of the year, maybe. Arguably, yeah. It's yeah, got to be top three. Yeah. If not top one, I, I can't really think off the top of my head because there's so many, you know, there's just so many finishes over the year. But, I mean, what what's really better than that? I mean, it was – you had a calf slicer. He could have finished just with the calf slicer, but instead – he held his one arm down and just battered him for the next 15 to 20 seconds. That was insane. He wanted the violence, man. He wanted that violence. <laughs> and, uh, I say, like, Roman, he probably came out of that fight pretty healthy. Yeah. And uh, I say you put him against – you put him in the fire, put him against Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori doesn't have a fight. Put him in the fire. And Marvin Vittori is always complaining about nobody wants to fight him. Let's get him in there. Let's see what he can do against uh, Marvin. And Marvin can grapple. He yep. cannot actually, he can wrestle too, right? So let's see how he handles Marvin's wrestling. And Marvin can strike. He's not a finisher, right. but he can win fights, right? And uh, he can utilize good game plans. Let's see how Roman reacts to that. Is this, his nickname is the Caucasian? Or is Caucasian? It really? That's, I don't know, man. Maybe I don't know how to read. But um, <laughs> I think it's the Caucasian. Odd. I think is it's it? a Caucasian. I think so. Wow, I wonder I mean, where that came from. I don't know. Yeah, well, but yeah, anyways. I like that fight. That Marvin fight. <laughs> yeah. That that Marvin fight's a good one. It is. They they need to put him in the fire, man. Like they need to take advantage of this streak he's on, and uh, you know the Georgian fighters are coming up, man. And uh, he's he's leading the way. He's leading the charge. Um, yep. The next fight, heavyweight fight. I think this is the only heavyweight fight on the card. Tai Tuivasa versus Sergey Pavlovich. Sergey Pavlovich, a guy that I think nobody really wanted to fight. And uh, and they came to Ty and said, like, hey, you want to take this fight? And Ty took the fight, right? Ty is a guy, he probably doesn't say no to fights. No. And that's yeah. why the UFC loves him. And we know why the fans love him, because he brings right. it. And that's what he did in this fight. You know what I mean? Like, he came back. A lot of people also said he came back soon, you know, after that fight with uh, gone because they went to war in that fight. You know, they went to war. That was a that was probably one of the best fights of the year, him and yeah. gone right, and probably yeah. the best fight heavyweight fight of the year. Uh, but uh, he comes in on short notice and uh, decides like let's uh, let's bang. And Pavlovich has serious power. Ty has serious power, but Pavlovich has serious power as well. And they just he just flipped the coin, and uh, yeah. this is what happens, man. And uh, what'd you think, man? Did you put any money on this fight? Because it oh, it's hard to bet. I definitely had to put money on Pavlovich. I thought it was just a tailor-made matchup for him. I mean, mm -hmm. it it was just Derek Lewis 2.0 in a sense, where just Ty's just a little bit, he's just more active and, and faster. That's pretty much it. I mean, same type of fighter. I don't think he was going to have any troubles with him. He had like a 10-inch reach advantage. Um, he's a very, very powerful striker. He was going to land. And like you said, I thought Ty was coming back way too early to face one of the hardest hitters in the entire division. We're talking like he is probably top three, top five in the division in punching power. And then you're going to have to go against him. And it sucked to see that happen because I, 
obviously everybody's a big fan of Taito Boston. You don't mm-hmm. want to see him go down. He's one of the nicest guys you'll probably ever meet on the UFC roster. He's super down to earth and he's fun to watch. You don't want to see him lose. And now he gets finished in each of his last two fights. Yeah, I hated I hated to see that happen. I wanted I wanted like give him anybody give Pavlovich anybody else. But then again, like you said, probably no one wants to fight him. Very dangerous fighter. And mind you, his background is Greco-Roman wrestling, and he's got that insane power. Yeah, and he's huge. He's yeah. huge. Like he has like he has arms. Like you know what's that superhero that has like he has Popeye arms basically. Both of yeah. his arms are just like just too big for his body, and he's a heavyweight, which says a lot right there. He's a massive individual. He's gonna be interesting to see coming into next year, like where he fits in the title picture. But I think they need to line him up against Cyril. That's the fight to make. Yeah, like I agree with that. Like a former champ, interim champ. You know, they, they could put him against Curtis Blades, but it looks like Curtis Blades is going to probably be getting ready for uh, either John Jones or, or or I guess John Jones, right, if, if Francis yeah. is not ready. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's line them up for a, a pay-per-view. Not even a pay-per-view. Let's line them up for a fight night somewhere – not in the U.S. I think if they're going to like Europe or something, they should probably put them in a like a headliner somewhere out there. And like, I don't know if they're going to go to Russia anytime soon. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, uh, yeah, they, there's many countries right there. Maybe they go to Paris again and right. put them in Paris. Right, Gone versus uh, Pavlovich in Paris early next year. They haven't. It's weird. They haven't mentioned anything about like next year's schedule. Right, the UFC no. at all. Well, uh- other than you know what we got coming up in January, but nothing yeah. after that. I mean, yeah, January. Yeah, January is only like four weeks from now, three weeks from now. So I mean, we don't have anything in February, March. I mean, there's no big fights on, you know, on the horizon yet. At least that we know of. Yeah, which is, uh, I wonder what they're thinking, man. Maybe there's some like behind the scenes deals that that are going on. They haven't even announced the the headliner for uh. For a uh, UFC Brazil, Korea, the, oh wow! Like really? that's not even that's not even announced. Like, is the Korean Zombie even fighting on that? Right? There's rumors, right? Right? It's like him and Chikadze, but who knows? Hopefully, that we find out this week. People are thinking like, oh, they're gonna announce it during this this broadcast, like that fight, but mm-hmm. never happened. Um, the next one, we got a, a top fifteen flyweight bout between uh, Mateus Nikolai and. Matt Schnell, Matt Schnell coming off that incredible comeback victory against Shu uh, Madarji. And Matt Schnell, man, he's so, so skilled. I think he's probably one of the, like, the most skilled, like, overall. But, man, when he gets hit, when he gets hurt, like, you know, but then we say that, and then his last fight, he got hurt, and he came back and won. But, like, Mateus is a, a wrecking machine. Right? Yeah. Is he like? Did you did you pick him to win this fight? Yeah, yeah I parlayed him with um. Oh, that's with, right. Uh, with Natal Levy, but like I knew that was gonna happen. I like I pretty much I knew Nikolai was gonna get the knockout just because Nikolai's not really a power puncher, but like if you touch Schnell, you're gonna drop him. He just gets dropped. It's, he doesn't have a great chin, and he gets hurt a ton. He's like you said, extremely skilled in every facet of the game. It's just his chin is what really. It's his downfall. That's his downfall is his chin. And it sucks because he's a really good fighter. And I actually bet on Schnell by submission against Sumadarji. And that was like plus 500. Oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was I was like patting myself on the back for that one. <laughs> You're probably screaming, huh? Like oh, yeah. he was getting smashed. Oh up. yeah. Oh yeah. Bro, I was go I was going nuts. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, I can't believe he just came back from, from that beat down to getting that submission. It was that see, that was also one of the the best finishes of the year, too. Yeah. Because comeback. Like, come back. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely comeback of the year. You know, come well, from behind. Come from behind, I would say. There's some comebacks like Leon Edwards. You know, there's Oh, some, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some comebacks. There's a lot. There, right? There's Alex, yeah. Alex Pereira as well. I exactly, mean, right? Okay. It's just, it's, it's I think so Leon points. Edwards probably takes the cake because it's just like he was losing so badly. Like he was like he looked like he was losing, like his face looked like he was losing, yep. right? Just and then bang, bang. you know, it's changed the the whole landscape. But yeah, Schnell, he's good, man. It's just uh can he and, and the thing is like Mateus, we've seen him do that before, but then when you re- rewind Schnell's like record, you've seen him like go against a grappler like a uh what's his name? Pantoja and Pantoja did that to him. Yeah, kind of like in the same way, right? He clipped yeah. him and he kind of fell forward and and just couldn't recover. Um, Mateus, man, I like him. What do you do with Mateus? I I like him, man. He's super well rounded. He's super skilled, super technical. I don't know, man. He's nineteen and two now. It's crazy. The dude's on an insane run right now. You have to give him a top five fight. I I I feel like you have to give him a top five fight. Someone in the top five. Push yeah. him up there. He deserves it. He deserves to be pushed right now. Pantoja is the weird, the weird like enigma in that top five where they don't want to give him a title shot. Yeah. But then he beats everybody that he fights. He's on a three fight win streak. Um, I say you give Nikolai Pantoja right if they're just gonna let him sit there and do nothing because uh, Kai Carl France he's lined up to fight Alex Perez, which. I think Nikolai should jump into that matchup because Alex Perez has pulled out of I don't even know how many fights now. Like the last, yeah. I don't know how many. So maybe Nikolai, the UFC tells him, or Nikolai tells the UFC, like, yo, there's a possibility one of those guys pulls out. Let me hop in. I'll be ready in February, early February, right? I'll be ready. Let's let's jump in. I think that's what he should do. He should stay in shape and prepare for both those guys because I think he could prepare for both those guys I'm not saying that they're similar, but you could kind of, you know, put up decent game plans against uh, like a, a Cara France or a, or a Perez. I, I'd say the more interesting matchup is a Kai Cara France, but yeah. the the more stylistic advantageous matchup would be against the Alex Perez. Right? Yeah, I I think I think he would be Perez. I think the Kai Cara France fight would be extremely competitive. Yeah. To the very, very end, back and forth. You're going to go to the judges' scorecards, and you're not going to know who's going to win. That's how good that fight would be. I think Nicolau would probably would easily beat Perez and take an easy decision win over him. But I I feel like he's got to get somebody in that top five because he, he deserves it at this point. Like He's the real deal. I think he's a true title contender, and we have to see him fight someone in the top five to really show us that he is – Okay, okay, he should be fighting for the title soon. The next fight, Coleman event between Brian Barbarena and uh, RDA. RDA, a legend of the sport, former champion in the lightweight division, fought for the interim title. The guy has fought the best of the best. They put this fight together. 
a lot of people were like, what? Like, yeah. but Brian Barbarina, you know, he's a, I like Brian Barbarina. Like he's, he's a good style. He's always fun. One of the nicest guys you'll meet. Any guy named Bam Bam is nice, right? You got Ty yeah. and you got Brian. Um, Brian, I think he was doing good on the feet, but you knew RDA was going to take this fight to the ground. You've seen it in a lot of his fights in the welterweight division. I, I, one that stands out to me was the fight against Neil Magny, dude. Neil yeah. Magny, he melted through Neil Magny, right? And you knew Neil Magny didn't want to go to the ground with RDA. And RDA went there and uh, and submitted him as well. And, uh, yeah, man, RDA, I think this is my conspiracy. I think RDA is trying to fight out his contract. I think that's what I'm trying to do. And he's just going to take fights that, that are advantageous to him. It doesn't matter, like, who they are. I don't think – because he said he doesn't want to, like, chase the title anymore. Yeah. So whenever you don't want to chase the title, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get paid or you're trying mm -hmm. to get out of your contract. And that means that his next fight, I don't think it's going to be against like a top contender as well. I think he's going to fight somebody that he's, he's, he's very, very favored to win. And he could win without taking much damage. Just like this fight, right? Because you knew Brian Barberino wanted to brawl. He wanted to entertain. And RDA was like, yeah, yeah, sure. No. Nope. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, if I was betting, what was the odds for this? Did you take anybody? Did you take RDA on this one? I I mean, it was minus 560. So, no. Oh, that's too high. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I couldn't I couldn't take a minute anyway. Um, I thought he would get the submission. But it was like, uh, Barbarina, yes, does have great takedown defense. But he hasn't been submitted in the UFC until you know last night. But that's why I was kind of contemplating. You know, I don't know if I if I should take the submission prop because he might go to a decision. Who knows? I ultimately thought he would get a arm triangle choke, which he almost did in the first round. But yeah. he was able to get the rear naked choke in the second round. But yeah, RDA does what RDA does: goes in there, takes you down, and submits you. It was it was impressive. But then again, Brian Barberena. He's not going to fight, like you said, he's not going to fight anybody good right now. He doesn't want to. You know, that's somebody that I think that would do well in a PFL type of, you know, atmosphere yeah. because he's got elite skills and he could beat those guys over there, you know, at 170. Do they have, do they have 170 or is it 185? Yeah. I think it'd do well there, you know, especially with his grappling. You know who's going to fight RDA next? This Dude. is my prediction. Matt Brown. Matt Brown is going to fight RDA next. I, I can see that. Either it's Matt Brown or somebody else that's been around for a long time, that has yeah. some wear and tear, that probably he could take advantage of the ground game against, and he's going to play it smart, not take damage, get another finish. And, uh, and you know, ride out the sunset with a bunch of wins Makes no sense. and go sign with somebody else. And I think he's going to sign with one champion. I'm saying this. You guys got to remember. I'm saying one this right now. One championship would be fun, though. It would be fun. Exactly. It'd and a lot they of would treat him like a you know, king. He's the, yeah, they would treat him like a king. Like, he would be royalty over there because oh, he yeah. was uh, one of the original Evolve MMA I think he was one of the only ones that fought out of Revolve MMA, representing them in the UFC. And uh, yeah, he is very, he took the belt back to Singapore for, for Chaudhry. So 
the guy is uh, very well connected over there. Now, Brian Barberena, we know that he's just going to get exciting fights. The guy yeah. is just there to get exciting fights. And uh, I don't know who you match him up with. Maybe Court McGee. I don't know. Maybe that would be an interesting one. Two zombies just going at it. I don't. I have no idea. What do you think? Do you think you have someone that you would like to see Bar Brian Barberena fight? I don't know, man. Just give him anybody that's not going to go and try to take him down. I just want to see somebody that's going to go in there and just bang it out with him. You know, that's just – we don't want to see what RDA did. You know, we don't want to see somebody go in there and, like – or even what Jason Witt did. You know, Jason Witt goes in there and tries to wrestle him, and he got he got two out of three rounds. Almost got finished in that third. But we need we need exciting fights from Brian. You know, we don't, we don't want uh, him to go against a grappler. I really don't know. I don't have any names off the top of my head, but – um yeah man i mean no one wants to see brian in a in a boring fight like we just saw like because that's what's gonna happen he's just gonna get laid on he doesn't have great takedown defense and he doesn't have a great get-up game either unfortunately yeah. yeah it doesn't doesn't look good um we'll see we'll see what happens i think he takes a break and he'll be back man the ufc likes him oh yeah and he doesn't turn down fights the main event you had Kevin Holland versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Stephen Thompson, he needed a win badly. You know, another big spot for him against uh, a guy that uh, decided, hey, I'm just going to sit there and, and stand. And if we go to the ground, I'm just going to stand back up and let you get back up to where you could win the fight, which was a wild, wild thing to see, right? Like people have blasted Kevin Holland for his fight IQ. He's a guy you probably can't bet a bet, right? You can't bet on him, right? Like it's just, it's just hard to decide. Like, what's he going to do? Is right. he going to go out there and actually fight so he can win the fight, or he's going to go out there and try to entertain? And you know, winning that fifty k bonus is is nice and all, but uh, from a better's perspective, what do you think of Ben uh, Holland? Well, I knew right off the bat there was no way I was. I was playing Kevin Holland at a premium of minus 170 all the way up to minus 180. There was no way. He hasn't fought 25 minutes before. He's arguably going against one of the elite fighters in, in the 170-pound division, you know, welterweight division. Um, and you're, I know for a fact he's not going to grapple because that's not what Kevin Holland does. He's not, he's not going for takedowns. He's going to go out there and strike. And he's not a great wrestler in his own right either. Granted, he's a BJJ black belt, but he doesn't utilize it all that well. And the way I know he was getting uh, he was getting tuned up against Cowboy Oliveira just a few fights ago, that was not a good look coming against someone like Stephen Thompson. There was no possible way Kevin Holland was going to win this fight striking against Thompson for 25 minutes. And that's where I thought, I'm like, I have to bet Thompson at plus 150. It was just... It was just like I have to bet it out of principle. We know we we lay out the facts. Is he gonna win a 25 minute fight striking with Thompson? No. Is he gonna go out there and wrestle Thompson? No, because he just doesn't do it. Um. So and and he does. Has he gone 25 minutes? Does he have the cardio advantage? No. So there's all these like check Thompson, check Thompson. So it's like, and you're giving me plus money. I had to take it. And you know, at least I, I, I got something right because there was you know there was things like Mark Jack Casey that was that was a terrible bet, you know Jack Hermanson, you know so at least I got something something that uh, to toot my own horn with calling a, the underdog in the, the main event. 
Yeah, the thing about Holland, he comes in. Some advantages he had was that he was much longer, right? Yeah. It was interest. It was like, okay, how is Thompson gonna deal with the length, right? And at first, he was having a lot of problems with the length, and it almost seemed like maybe Holland was faster than him too, yeah, because he would jump in and 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 connect and and he was be- beating up thompson like thompson's face was pretty jacked up right he had a bunch of cuts on his face bruised up and uh i think he hurt him a few times right? early in the fight yeah in the yep. first and uh yeah he looked really good and and then he just kind of slowly fell in love with that and then yep. thompson after the first round made the adjustments that's that very savvy man that's that championship level like fight iq right and uh and went in there and and you know it's it's funny that he he lulled him into not grappling, you know. He lulled him into not grappling, and and trying to entertain, and it led to him losing the fight at the end of the day, right? But you know, listening to Kevin Holland ahead of this fight in his interviews and everything, it doesn't seem like he wants to stick around too long. No, he doesn't. Looks like he wants to get paid and yep. he wants to get out. And it almost seems like he doesn't like how the sport is run in many ways. You know, like you're not being rewarded for wins, you know, and level of competition. You're being rewarded for other things, you know, and it's it's not about merit, you know, and, and he was complaining about that. But uh, just going back to the fight, Thompson, man, when it's a good stylistic matchup, he looks incredible. Like he yep. looks really, really good once he starts to get open up, and uh, his uh, his striking looked his striking looked just as good as it did. I say five years ago, yep. you know, it hasn't really changed. He hasn't got really slower or anything like that. Like we mentioned earlier in the show about Michael Johnson, he actually looks exactly the same. He still has decent power, and uh, man, I think he spammed him with like ten kicks and oh to the head, and. Holland just stood there against the cage, was just trying to block them with his hands. It was, it was, it was some some wild scenes in that fight. Uh, Kevin Holland broke his hand. He said, I think in the first round, and yeah, yeah. that that probably caused a lot of problems. But that's when he should have started grappling, right? Right? Exactly. He should, exactly. He should have started grappling, you know, and, and he has the advantage there. That's where the fight he comes into play, you know. Exactly. It's um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about Kevin Holland except for I like him and I, I like his antics and I like his, his style. But then sometimes you do have to make the adjustments to win the fight because you have to win the fight, right? And and a lot of people saw him and his antics and his, his fight style and said, hey, I can't bet on and Kevin Holland. I have to bet on Wonderboard Thompson. Because Thompson, he still has a chin, which is pretty wild to me, right? Like the guy has taken some heavy, heavy shots from some really hard hitters, and 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 that has has only been knocked out by Anthony Pettis. I just think that that was like a perfect shot, you yeah. Know? It was. And yeah, it was just a perfect shot. But other guys like Tyrone Woodley, he got to be one of like top five, top ten heaviest heaviest hitters ever at welterweight, right? And, yeah. Uh, and he took his shots and, and survived it. What do you do with Thompson? I say he's not going to fight a, a top five guy, right? Because Kevin Holland, no. where was Kevin Holland? I don't think Kevin Holland's not even in the top 15. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't even in the top 15. And in the top five, 
You got Burns, who who beat him. You got Covington, who would beat him, stylistically terrible. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad, who beat him. Edwards is the champ, so he's probably not going to fight the champ. And then you got Usman, who is probably going to fight Edwards next. And Usman's a bad matchup for, for oh, yeah. Wonder Boy as well. And then behind him, you got Rogmanov, which is a real bad matchup for Wonderboy Thompson. And I think Wonderboy Thompson wants to avoid those types of fights. I think yeah. it's, it's smart for him to do that, right? Because why would you risk it? Neil, he beat Neil. He beat Luke. Sean Brady, which would be interesting, but I think Sean Brady would probably just go in there and wrestle him. Like, yeah. Because he, he lost his first fight of his career in his last one. I think he'll just go back to like what he likes to do. Then you got Magni, you got Masvidal, you got Kiesa, you got Pereira. Pereira, which is actually a really, really good matchup right there. You got Pereira. Masvidal, I don't think he's going to take the fight against Thompson. No, he wants a big money fight, and that's up. Yeah, he wants big money. That's why he's sitting out. You know, he's he's waiting yeah. for that. So you got Kiesa. That's kind of a bad matchup stylistic. Kiesa will try to grapple him and clinch him. Yeah. Up. You got Pereira, and you got... Randy Ruboy Brown. I think those are the options for him. Yeah, right? those like guys it. are stylistically fun matchups. Maybe even um, well, Ponzinibbio's lineup to fight Robbie Lerner. But Ruboy Brown or Pereira. I think that's those are the fights that we see for um for Wonderboy Thompson. What do you do with uh with Holland? You just put him in fun fights, right? Like I think that's what he wants to do. Well, they gave yeah. him a shot right here against a top guy. Yeah. And the main event didn't work out too well. So you got to step back and say, like, okay, who can I fight next that will be fun? Who do you see? I don't know, man. Because, like, does he really want to fight? That's the thing. Like, I felt like he he fought the way he fought because he wanted that extra 50K. You know what I mean? You know, he wanted that extra money because going in there and trying to wrestle Wonderboy to a win, granted, he gets a win, but he doesn't get the extra money that he really wants. He mm-hmm. he wants, like you said, he wants to get as much money as he possibly can and then get out. And if you want to give him fights where he could possibly make more money, Daniel D. Rod Rodriguez, do we, uh, we, I'm, they don't, I'm almost sure they didn't fight, but yeah, that's a fun fight between those two. But they didn't fight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think they fought. Yeah, no, they, they didn't fight. fight. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, they were supposed to fight. Right. That's why I thought they fought. They were supposed to fight. Yeah. And then, you know, they got rebooked. So, yeah, rebooked that fight. I think that would be a great fight for those two. You know, fun fight. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, Rodriguez is 15 right now. They're both going to come in there and strike with each other. I think that would be a great fight. And a fight where Kevin Holland could potentially win another 50k yeah even even a max griffin yeah even a max griffin even a a chaos williams yeah that's a good one too you know um a jeremiah wells these are all like really good matchups for for kevin holland and actually good matchups for his opponents too you know what i mean because kevin holland has some clout right he has some name value and yeah. uh, a lot of those guys could probably some of that name value right and 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 that's what you want at the end of the day absolutely Um, there you go man we went through this man this was a long long card but we went through (laughs) it it. 
and uh we got we got into it and uh yeah man um i appreciate you guys showing up to the live make sure you guys go down into the descriptions and uh download the the all-star app uh next week we will be back for another recap show most likely with uh with the fighter you'll see 282 a major card man i just wanted to get your thoughts on like UFC 282, man. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a card, right? Like, especially right. with Yuri and Glover, you know, getting pulled. What are your uh, what's your excitement level for this? Um, it's it's mid right now. Um, it's not a, extremely high, especially when you have Patty Pimblett and Jerry Gordon as your co-main events. Not. It's not fantastic, but there are some good fights on the card. Darren Till's back, Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Taporia. That I should think would be should be more of a co-main event than Patty Pimblett, but here we are. Um, but I'm I'm just excited to see Ankalaya finally get his his shot at a title because I think the title is going to run through Ankalaya for a while now. I think he's the best in that division. Uh, I think he's going to show it against Jan Blahovic, and uh, we'll go from there. But yeah. It's it's we got some good fights. We got some up and coming fighters. We have, you know, mainstays. We got they're good fights. It's just not overly exciting, you know, as as you know UFC two eighty one was or even UFC two eighty. What's the odds on that fight? Which one? Which fight? The, the main the, event. The main event. I think he's a decently sized favorite. Yeah, it's minus two forty five right now for Uncle Io. Oh really? Yeah, that's pretty wild because Jan Blavich is a former champ. Yeah, there a lot of. I'm assuming a lot of people are either hammering Ankalaev. They hammered him early, or the bookmakers just believe. Yeah, he opened up at minus two ten. Now he's all the way bet down to minus like two fifty at some spots. So yeah, a lot of money has come in on him uh, pretty early. But yeah, it's really hard to really play him at, at that price, considering like you said. You know, Jan is a former champion. He's he still looked good even in his last fight, but I I can't I can't bet against Uncle Live. I think he's like I said. I think he's a real deal. I think he's the next champ. I think it's gonna the division's gonna run through him for for a bit. All right. Well, appreciate everybody for watching. Make sure you go follow the All Star on Twitter and Instagram and and Facebook. Where can we find you, Garrett? Let them know. Uh, man, you can find me on Twitter at Fight Analyst LLC. You can also go on Facebook. I'm there. I like to talk a ton on there as well. I'm just uh, the Fight Analyst on Facebook there too. So yeah, hit me up. Send me a message. You need some insight. I'm there. I'm there to help you guys make some money. That's what I love to do. All right. See you guys later.